1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: This hour is being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Ray, let's go.
3: Lawrence Holmes, noon to two. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station.
4: Russell Dorsey, national
3: MLB insider for Bally Sports and Stadium.
4: President Jed Hoyer always talks about you know who's going to be a part of that next great Cubs team. They think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a big part of that, a guy who is really turned into a stud and could likely be an MVP candidate. Luis Robert has all the tools, the power, the speed. Host of the Rally
3: on Bally Sports. If you could ban something from sports for ten years.
4: What would it be? I would say the wave. It's a bit too much. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast. I don't let it get to that point where I have a 1,000 unread emails. I have 277 right now. You have
3: bodies in your house, bro. <laughs> Russell Dorsey. i Russell. With Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. The Score.
2: Russ joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Some of the world's largest sports book. Mr. Dorsey, how are you, sir? Mr. Holmes, I am doing
4: very well. I am disappointed I didn't get to see you last week, but I know you were doing work out here in the street, so it's all good.
2: That's what I'm out here trying to do, trying to live my life like one. No, I'm definitely not trying to do that (laughs) because that is a thing, which we'll get to later on. But there are pressing (laughs) baseball things that I want to talk to you about. First of all, it's great when the Cubs are playing better. And for the last week, they've played good baseball. So when you're watching them, what are you seeing as the reasons why they're playing better baseball? Well, One,
4: they've caught some opponents that aren't that good, and the Pirates are one of those teams. They've also been getting solid starting pitching. Uh, You saw what uh, Justin Steele did in Arizona. What Kyle Hendricks was able to do out in San Diego looked like the Kyle Hendricks that we've known all these years. And then Wade Miley, right? That's why you sign a guy like Wade Miley. Uh, That's why everybody was surprised that that guy – is available on waivers for the Cubs to even claim. Like that's what we've seen from Wade Miley over the years. Picks up the ball, gives you six innings, gives you seven innings. Doesn't matter. Take the ball every five days. So they've been pitching well, um, and they've started to score more runs. And if you get pitching like they've gotten the last ten days or so, you're going to put up some W's.
2: Before you became the the Bigfoot over at Stadium and Bally's, when it comes to baseball coverage, you covered the Cubs on an everyday yeah. basis. It, it's interesting the position that Wilson Contreras finds himself in right now. He's having a yeah. great season, and I'm sure that he looks around and he sees some of the guys that that have left and some have had success. And one has had success, and the rest kind of have it so far. How do you how do you think he's compartmentalizing all of this? That he's doing well on a team that's still struggling record wise, but he's having one of his best seasons which makes him then an attractive trade piece, but he might probably want to be here. How how does he compartmentalize all this?
4: I think it's a couple of things, Lawrence. So one, you understand that that guy watched what happened with Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo last year, right? Entering there last year before free agency and seeing how that team was supposed to compete. They did not. They played poorly. Those guys got traded. This year, there weren't expectations to compete or necessarily be a good team. I think everybody knew that the Cubs would be in a position where they were rebuilding, retooling, whichever word you wanted to use. Um, and Wilson, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard for a veteran player sometimes to see you know, being a part of a rebuild when you've been a part of winning for so long. For Wilson, he's been fantastic. He's cut down his strikeout rate. He's hitting for power. He's healthy, which is an important thing because when he's healthy – He is a top three, top four catcher in the sport. It is one of those things when you talk about a guy who has, you know, that homegrown, like he got, you know, picked, uh, or they brought him up to the big leagues in the world series year. He became a big part of what that team did. Not only that year when they won the world series, but what they did in the six years after that. So when you're rebuilding, you need a guy that you can build around, like who's going to be our veteran, who's going to be our cornerstone of a franchise. I think the Cubs have to make that decision on what they think Wilson is right now, what he can be for the next five to six years with the universal DH coming over. It makes it a lot easier to say, okay, we can picture Wilson being a part of this thing for the next six years, not only just catching, but if we want to move him to first base at some point, if we want to make him DH at some point, we can do that because you have the DH. So, um, it is interesting because I think if you look around the game, what's going on in Washington with Juan Soto this guy has eight. So homers and seven solo shots. This is one of the best players in the big leagues, only 23 years old and the nationals aren't winning. They're not a good team. And so you look around, there's blood in the water where people are like, Oh man, this guy's going to be a free agent soon. He came up at 19 years old and the nationals are looking like they're in for a long rebuild. So it's a similar situation, not exactly the same, because I feel like the Cubs are a lot closer to competing than the Nationals are. But at the same time, as an organization, you have to decide, where are we? And really be honest about that, because if you aren't, you put yourself in a position where you're spinning your wheels.
2: Russ, yesterday we were having a discussion on the show about the the guys who have left the Cubs. You know, Rizzo's doing well, Baez not so much, Bryant is hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have Kyle Schwarber, who's got a lot of home runs but isn't hitting for average. We ended up talking about Chris Bryant, and you know Chris, you cover KB. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he picked Colorado?
4: So, a couple things. One, they were a team that gave him almost $200 million, right? At the end of the day, everybody wants to get paid. That's your right when you get to free agency. Two, he is a big family guy. He loves his family. Vegas is right there. Very close to Denver, a lot closer than a lot of other places. That's the second thing. And I think the third thing, I think it was the Rockies, not necessarily, was, it was the team that everybody was like, really? The Rockies? Um, but they want wanted Chris to be the face of their franchise for the next seven, eight years, and they put their money where their mouth is. And I think for me, If you're a guy who, you know, you have your pick of teams, everybody wants to be wind and dine. Everybody wants to feel like they're going to be the guy. And they had an entire market of a lot of good players, and they said, we want KB to be our guy. And so I think at the end of the day, that's what it was. And you talked about those players that left the Cubs. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo's thriving in New York. Javi has not played well, had the injury early on. Uh, Schwarber was doing really well in Boston last year, comes over to the Phillies and uh, getting the long-term deal has not gone as well for him so far. And then KB was playing well before the injury is now on his rehab assignment. So, uh, yeah, I, I really think those are the reasons that KB, in my mind, has uh, decided to pick Colorado. Like who doesn't want to be – when somebody says you're going to be Batman, who doesn't want that?
2: It's true. Being Batman is great. It's It's – it's, it's good. It's better to be Superman. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but you have to be born to be Superman. It's a whole thing. So I get why people fetishize Ooh. Batman, because you could turn yourself into Batman theoretically. With the White Sox, weird about the quarter pole of the season yeah. with them playing 36 games. They still find themselves being a 500 team. Some of their problems, they don't hit right-handed pitching very well. They're not scoring a lot of runs overall. Defensively, they've got a lot of struggles. Is there anything that you're looking at that's saying, hey, perhaps there's some breakthroughs here that can happen for the Southside nine?
4: All right. So a couple things here, Lawrence. If I'm going to take a glass half full approach, I'll say this. Yoan Mankata has looked like 2019 Yoan Mankata. They absolutely need that, especially if Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal aren't going to hit. And also you need those guys to hit. So if you get good Mankata, Luis Robert's been great. Tim Anderson has been great offensively. We know that it struggles he's at defensively. If those guys get going, Andrew Vaughn is healthy and hitting. Like, you can, in theory, work your way back where you're in June and say, okay, we can beat up on some bad teams. We can beat, you know, take a couple series against some good teams or split a series. And then, you know, you, the, the thing, the worst thing for the White Sox is you wake up on July 1st and you're seven games back, right? That's what you don't want. And if they play the baseball that they played the last month or so, that's where they're going to be. Um, we've talked at nauseum about where they could have improved this offseason and where they didn't. But it has to be the offense. That, that was their strength coming into the season, and there hasn't been a strength for them. So I think you have good Mankata, good T.A., good Luis Robert. That can – either one of those guys can carry you for a couple weeks at a time. But you are hoping that over the next couple of weeks or so, all those guys get it going. And you get Yasmani Grandal going and getting on base like we've seen from him. And you get Jose Abreu playing like the Jose Abreu we've seen for the last five or six years. So those, that's the glass half full uh, way I would look at it. I think the, on the other side, for me, they don't get on base. That's a big problem because you can't score runs if you don't get on base. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, who are the second worst team in baseball, maybe the worst team in baseball, depending on what you look at, they score more runs than the White Sox. <laughs> that's not good. So they really need to start hitting right-handed, pitching better. Uh, you talked about it. That's a deficiency for them. But, like, it, you, we're about to be at Memorial Day, and that's usually when you look around and say, all right, who are we as a team?
2: Yeah, and and I think a lot of White Sox fans are wondering that, Russ. And I this has been a thing now in Chicago. I know that you're, you're concerned about the entire league, but over yep. the last 24 hours – you had Ozzie Guillen say on the White Sox post game show that he was disappointed that Tim Anderson wasn't in the lineup in the second game of that doubleheader in, in KC. You had Tim Anderson be like, shut the bleep up about all of this. Yep. And then you had Ozzie be like, but for real, though, like you should probably have been in the lineup yesterday. Where do yep. you fall on that, Russ? Where where uh, to me, wins are a premium right now for the White Sox. So. my personal opinion is I want to see the winning lineup in the back half of a of a doubleheader. But I also understand that guys need their maintenance and their rest. So I'm trying to figure out what the White Sox should do. But I find myself kind of siding with Ozzie on this one. Here's my question
4: for you. Like, I, I feel sometimes watching the White Sox that sometimes it feels like TLR gives a game away or gives a series away where it's like, all right, we took two of three Sunday lineup. Or, you know, we we split. We won the first game of the doubleheader. Maybe we can buy a game not having T.A. in there or Luis Robert in there. Like, do you feel that way? I know yes. you as a Watchtarks fan and watching, do you feel that too? Because that's how
2: I feel. Yeah, and and there's a part of me that's like, I get it. Like, I get what you're trying to do. Like, in theory, yeah. I understand the concept of, I want to make sure that my guys are fresh. Like, this has been a a theme with the White Sox. Like, they've talked about September and October. That's what they're doing with Michael Kopech. It's why they're they're slow playing, bringing Lance Lynn back. Like, I get what they're trying to do. I just think that maybe if that was your plan going into the season, that you might have to change that because of how the first 36 games have gone.
4: Right. And, like, I think if you're a White Sox fan, you don't want to look up in August and September, you're five games out or six games out, and you're like, we gave away so many games early on where this lead that the twins may have is three games or two games, or maybe we even have a one game lead, but those Sunday games, getaway games in Kansas City or in Cleveland, we gave them away, or some of those doubleheaders, we you know, we gave them away and didn't give ourselves a chance because those games count. Like as much as you said, yeah, it's a long season, the dog days of summer, like those games in April count. Those games in May count. Like those Sunday getaway days, those count, especially when you're playing those teams in the division, like Cleveland and the Tigers and the Royals and Minnesota, who's the leader. Like you have to take those games seriously. And it, it has been something I've, I felt watching them, and so when it comes to Ozzy and Ta, like it was one of those things where Ozzy didn't mean it to sound like Ta probably took it.
2: Yeah, and
4: at and at the same time, like I agree, I'm with you. I agree with Ozzy. Like, hey, this guy's 28 years old. You gotta take. Why not take both games of a doubleheader if you're the better team and you can win both games?
2: Why not win two games? I get it. Yeah, and 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 I think you're right, Russ. You said it better than I did earlier. Ozzy's not out here calling Ta soft, and and right. n- no one should because this guy is is tough. He plays. He's great. He's so great for everything that is White Sox. I, but I, the way the the uh, my point was, I feel like I can count on three offensive players for them right now: Ta, yeah. Robert, and Vaughn. And, and you're right about Moncada. He is starting to, to come on, and that's exciting because they need that punch from the left side for sure. And so to me, it's like let's bury the Royals. Like Let's yeah. let's not win three out of five. Let's try to win five out of five because you got to go play the Yankees this weekend. Right. And, and what happened
4: last week when I was on when the Yankees were coming into town, I told you what type of team they were. And they showed the White Sox, hey, this is what a, the best team in baseball looks like. They showed them. So when you get an opportunity against a lesser opponent, you have to take advantage because you know that you got to go back to New York and see that same team that gave you the business last week. So you, they need to do that more. For me, like I, I want to see their best lineup out there most of the time. Like we heard Tony Rufus at the beginning of the season say, "Yo, Andrew Vaughn's an everyday player. You gotta, you gotta show that." Then like. Put them in there every day. Like, you want to win these series, you have a three-game set, and you win two of the games, yeah, go win the third game. Go win the fourth game. Go for the the four-games week. Like, not the old Sunday lineup that I know everybody hates, regardless of what team you you root for. Like, make sure you're winning every game, not just punting on some games, because you can't.
2: So I'm listening to the Sports Adjacent Podcast, and (laughs) the latest episode of the Sports Adjacent Podcast is magnificent because I thought that – the three of you had a really honest conversation about working in media and what it's like and, and being broke and all of that good yeah. stuff. But then then halfway through, as per usual, the podcast turns. And there's a mention of Drake getting uh, some some attention from a fan on Twitter. Yeah. and And it's negative attention because it's talking about Drake's son. And then Drake went into full petty mode where he ends up, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, he tells the guy, your girl looks miserable. Yes. I'm going to follow her. He does follow her on, on, on the the Twitter or the Instagram and DMs her saying, I got you, Ma. And you were like, I would have done the same thing. Yes. And, and here's why I would have done the same thing, Lawrence. It, you don't
4: get, tell me I suck. Tell me I'm not a good reporter. Tell me I uh, don't know anything about baseball or whatever. Fine, whatever. I'm a, a public figure now. It comes with the territory. However, you talk about my parents, my eventual spouse and child, like whatever happens to you after that, like if that's the, the, the son or daughter that I have created, the person I have created, and you come for them, they that's, you're not – they have no, nothing to do with this. You're attacking them. So now I, whatever happens that I do, I can't control because you, you just came at me. Disrespectfully came at my child. And so now I'm DMing your girl. All right. Not only am I DMing your girl, I'm putting her on Southwest or American or United or airline of her choice, and I'm flying her here, and I'm going to show her a nice time because I'm a nice guy, Lawrence. Um if I was in Toronto like Drake, I'd put her on Air Canada, right? No, but you no, you put
2: her on the PJ if you Drake. Well, yes. I the mean, OVO if, plane if, with, if, the, if, with the logo on it, yes. If If you Drake, hey, we're going to have a car come pick you up. We're going to put you right. on the PJ. You're going to be listen, in the six Mark. in like two listen, hours.
4: Listen. Listen, Lawrence. I just got a couple dollars. I don't got that type of money.
2: Well, yet, so let's let's I gotta, not. I got to put them
4: on. I got to on reasonable airlines, right? No, and no.
2: Just, I, I'm just saying though. If you were Drake, that's yeah, how yeah, you, so you do
4: send, it. You're sending her to the PJ. You're getting putting her private. You got the car picking her up from the airport, and you're bringing her to the compound. Uh, yes, absolutely.
2: And and I mean, she was kind of like giggling and sniggling. Yeah. See and, that. And see that's the thing. The dude. The dude that made
4: the initial comment. He didn't understand that sometimes you have time. Drake said, I have time today. Not only am I being petty, but let's see how much your girl loves you, right? <laughs> like, let's see how much your wife loves you. And uh, you, you, your girl giggling and sniggling in my DMs. It's a rough day for that, brother. i tell you that. She's
2: kind of cute, too. Um, Just saying. Just saying. You think Drake don't know? I, I know Drake know. He said he got her. And that's that's <laughs> what's up. Russ, as always, I appreciate it. Check Russ out on Stadium. Check him out on Bally's. Check him out on Twitter. The young man is everywhere. Thanks to the folks that are checking him out on Twitch right now twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. Russ, I'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks, Russ. I appreciate it. That is Russ Dorsey. He's terrific. He's, he's so. If Russ were Drake, that's 100% what he would have done. A hundred percent. Ray, you didn't know that story? No, that was the first time I heard that story. I am I have to catch up on my sports adjacent podcast episodes. Fam.
4: A couple behind. Fam. I definitely got to check that out. Oh, my that God. That is a wild
2: story. It's, it's ridiculous. I did not think. I, I underestimated Drake and the pettiness, clearly. Hey, <laughs> that's what happens sometimes when you tag people. Like you playing games and you out here tagging people. And now not your girl giggling in Drake's DMs. Not great. Not great at all. You don't want to mess with Drake. You don't know his schedule, as Russ said. He right. said he had the time that day. He had time. You thought that he maybe he didn't have time, and then he had time. You wanted his attention, and then you got it. Just be careful you be out here playing in these social media streets. Because sometimes people pull up, metaphorically speaking. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes. I want to get back to talking about Wilson Contreras a little bit. I had a really wonderful conversation with Rossi about Wilson Contreras. And I want to share that with you because it was really good stuff. And shout out to Ray. Ray did an excellent segment with this yesterday. So we're going to share that with you.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Lawrence Holmes, Noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and Odyssey Station. It's time for the Cubs Minute.
5: Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air.
6: Fly the W!
5: Wrigleyville, fans are awesome, great food. It's, you know, it's tough to beat.
6: Cubbies.
3: The Cubs Minute on The Lawrence Holmes Show. It's
5: game two of a three-game series between a couple of old rivals, the Chicago Cubs against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Here's the 3-2, lifted to left center, pretty well hit. Back toward the wall, this ball is going to be gone! Home run, Jonathan Villar. Here's a swing and a line drive, left center field. That's a base hit! It goes all the way to the wall. Contreras scores. Hap racing around third. Here comes the relay, not in time. Two run double, Seiya Suzuki, Cubs lead three to nothing. That should be two outs if that situation dictates. Schwindel hits one down the left field line, toward the corner, that ball is gonna be a fair ball. One run is in, racing toward third is Rivas, he will hold there, it's a ground rule double. For Frank Schwindel. And the Cubs now have a 4 0 lead. Here's a chopper to first. A run will score. The ball bottled at first. And safe at first as the R. will be charged with an error. A run scores. Cubs lead 5 0. And the runner at first goes. The pitch bounced back to Brubaker. Throws to second base. In time there. And the throw to first. In time for a double play. The Cubs might want to challenge the play at second base.
1: Is out Chicago's
5: As we're looking at it again, VR gets to the bag. Yeah, I think he's going to be safe at second base. Second, safe. So safe Chicago is the criminal at second, second base.
6: Chicago will retain the challenge.
5: A run scores and the 3 2. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. It's got a chance. It's gone. Welcome to the Chicago Cubs, Christopher Morrell. He missed first base. He goes back and steps on it. What a moment. It's just one of the nights here at the friendly line
2: The Cubs win it. Highlights courtesy of the score. Pat and Ron on the call. Cubs have won four in a row. They've won six out of their last eight games. Wilson Contreras continues to be great. They had a couple of debuts last night, which were helpful. Yesterday on the show, we started the show off with David Ross. And I know that sometimes people were listening at 1.30, maybe aren't listening at noon. We had a really great conversation with Rossi about Wilson Contreras, and it started off with me making the connection that they're both in the same club now, that Wilson's got 100 home runs, and Rossi finished his career with 100 home runs in the major league. So we shared the call of Rossi's 100th home run with them. So check this out and check out his reaction and check out what he had to say about Wilson Contreras.
5: Ross cracks one in the air, deep left field, 100 home runs for David Ross. Three-run homer, Cubs lead 5-1. to one. A smiling David Ross rounding third. As he said a few weeks ago, 100 home runs in the show would be very cool he is enjoying that moment right now.
2: The great Pat Hughes with the call. So when you hit the 100th home run, walk me through what you felt like.
7: I tell you what. First off, I love Pat Hughes' home run calls. <laughs> Game seven one. He's such a he's such an icon around us, and I just love hearing his voice. Um, no, I mean, like that feels great, right? And I think Wilson's yesterday took me back to my hundredth and and. Obviously, Wilson's gotten there a lot faster than I did and is, uh, a you know, a much better caliber player than I was. And to see him do that and all that hard work pay off and to be a part of that, to watch him when he first, you know, his first at bat, taking that change up off the lefty to right center in his first home run. I remember like it was yesterday sitting on the bench and so pumped up for him. And then he gets to hit 100 last night for a grand slam in that fashion was pretty special. I thought, you know, you saw a little emotion come out from him. He's pumped up. He's put a lot of hard work, and, and, again, a guy that we rely on for championship at-bats. And really, you talk about our success as of late. He's just gotten on fire and having great at-bats at the top of our order. We really rely on Wilson, and that was a really cool moment last night.
2: For someone who sat there next to him, that worked in every meeting with him as a teammate, and now to manage him, how have you seen him change from the moment he walks into the door to the player that he is now?
7: Uh, I think just the confidence he has within himself. One, you know, knowing he belongs here, you got to prove that first a little bit and then you get to have some success and be on a championship team, and be a part of a lot of winning and and now he's the he's the veteran, he's the guy we rely on. He's the guy that's leading these young pitchers, trying to set the example, controlling his emotions and his at-bats and maturing in that way. Like he's got gotten better in so many ways every part of his game really I mean being able to turn the page after a bat at bat and things that take a little bit of time and understanding each at bat is unique if you get out in the first having another championship at bat in the fourth and the sixth and the eighth you know those the things that continue to help us win ball games he's done a really nice job of leading in that way and continues to grow every single day. He, he's, a, he's awesome.
2: When you have a player that's clearly valuable the way that, that Wilson is and people look at you and look at your team and say, well, maybe at some point they try to move Wilson. He's, I'm sure, hearing and feeling all of that. How do you tell him to deal with the speculation on where his career goes from here?
7: You know, I I don't give advice in those areas. Now, I, that would really be outside of my comfort zone and and really one of those things that I don't think yeah, everybody's a grown man and they're they're out having their careers and the things that I are important to me that I try to talk about is the daily focus on winning that day and Wilson does a really good job of bringing a good attitude and a focus to win that day and not letting out any any outside noise affect him. I think he saw and had great examples last year, some guys that went through that and probably learned a lot from that. And he has a good team around him, good guys around him and a great support staff within his family that I know is really important to him that supports him. We support him and everything he does. And I think he loves being the Chicago Cub. I think he loves his teammates and I think he loves winning. And those are the things that I value. And I try to continue to stress to everybody and, uh, I don't have to worry about that with Wilson. He does a nice job of bringing that mentality every single day.
2: You talked about the emotional things that have happened this year with Wilson, like him and his brother with the lineup card. You have to not have a soul if you didn't enjoy that, like as a fan, like seeing <laughs> those two guys and then seeing him be emotional last night. I love when guys are able to harness it, and I've always loved Willie. Because he's an emotional guy and he sometimes allows us in, As viewers and fans of the game to see it. For you, how did you harness your emotions and what are the positives when you have a guy that can play with a little bit of emotion like Willie does?
7: Yeah, I think edge and emotion is good, right? I mean, our emotions, I think Willie's sometimes comes out in anger and sometimes comes out in sadness and sometimes comes out in, and I'm mad, you know, like how to control those and continue to not let them affect your performance. For me, was the biggest thing and, and you learn that right you learn to control those emotions and fears uh, I think a lot of my stuff going back was not being the one that that made the mistake you know I think Wilson's probably carrying a little bit different emotions of like he's one of our best hitters one of our best performers and one of our all-stars and he's a guy that uh, has even higher expectations and he knows if he's one of the guys we rely on to do well so I think that's something that everybody grows into and I think that's something that you continue to learn how you work best. I know speaking of emotions, Wade was saying he was way too amped up on that first outing in San Diego and turned it around last night and said he was just trying to go out and have fun. I think that's something that you learn as you get older. We can put a lot of expectations on ourselves. We can put a lot of false narratives on ourselves of what we have to be or what we have to do. The main thing is go out and have fun, play like you're a kid, do your homework and enjoy the game that's usually when we're at our best most of us.
2: What's interesting to me is like whether I'm seeing this on the text screen or folks on Twitch, people really like Rossi. Like I and I like him as a manager and I I keep saying that for those of you that really want to understand him, you should read his book, Teammate. Like make, it's a good summer read. I read it in 2 days. You'll enjoy it and it'll give you some context to the way that he is and why he's the way that he is but I love what he had to say about Wilson and man a lot of Cubs fans were in my mentions last night in a good way like it was good conversation about what the Cubs want to be and what there is to expect and it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks and there's a chance for the Cubs to get above 500 with this stretch of games they've got over the next week and a half just telling it like it is Meanwhile, the White Sox were in Kansas City last night for two games.
3: It's time for the White Sox Minute.
6: Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is
4: gone. We're going to be Southside regardless. slider. Hi,
6: Mom!
3: Go Sox, baby. The White Sox Minute on the Lawrence Holmes Show.
6: Things have gone very well in Middle America so far. The Sox have won two in a row against Kansas City, including game number one of this doubleheader as Yohan Moncada hits the lineup in game number two. That's a base hit, and Kansas City is going to take the lead on Michael A. Taylor's RBI double. In the air, right center field. angled back at the track, and the wall. on two strikes and it's two nothing Oop. half swing grounder towards second base and that brings a run home the Sox get an RBI ground out from Angle. Gavin reaches out on a curveball Taylor in center field makes a catch the Royals have split this double header it's a 2-1 final
2: highlights courtesy of MEC Sports Chicago Davis Martin got the start in that game. He was really good. What I was not expecting, he got a a strike three looking on a 97-mile-per-hour P on the outside corner. Man, I was like, whoa, look at that. Seven strikeouts for him in the game. But one of the problems that the White Sox have had all season long kind of reared its ugly head. They couldn't hit in in last night's game. And it was disappointing because you're like, man... There's a chance here they'll get another two chances at the Royals, which is the good thing that they have two more games against this team. That Royals team is that that's the other thing that's like upsetting. That Royals team is trash. They are terrible. Bobby Witt, he's gonna be a problem for a decade, but that's a bad baseball team. And they don't even have Salvador Perez anymore. At least for Now, because he's on the I.L. Lucas Giolito is back off of the COVID list. He will start tonight. He'll go up against Zach Grinke. When we come back inside the Cubs broadcast and the White Sox broadcast, there was some really cool stuff that I would like to put a star on. We'll do that next here on The Score.
3: The Parkins and Spiegel Show on your ride home. Afternoons 2-6 on The Score.
1: It is absolute managerial idiocy. That post game is just garbage, man. It's not that difficult. I can't believe Tony didn't sway you there with that very persuasive <laughs> speech
6: with all that conviction. You are inspired by <laughs> and him, aren't so you? so every time we play him, I'm just like, oh, more,
3: more, more. You had to see it to believe it. Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel. Afternoons 2-6 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station.
2: Our segment with Russ Dorsey is brought to you by Armbrust Plumbing. They're now hiring. So visit we'rehiringtechs.com. And this segment is brought to you by Northern Tool and Equipment. Our anniversary sale is on at Northern Tool and Equipment. Save hundreds on pressure washers, sprayers, trailers, lawn, and garden equipment. Power tools and more. Shop in-store or at northerntool.com.
3: Lawrence Holmes, Noon to 2, on Sports Radio 670, The Score, in Odyssey Station.
2: A couple of cool things happened inside of the broadcast last night of the two baseball games. For the White Sox, Lance Lynn came in and did an inning with Jason Benetti and Gordon Beckham. It was really fun. He's super likable and very smart. And and he fit right in. Like that's not something that people ordinarily do, but that felt like if once that guy is done, he's gonna have an opportunity to do that, like to get paid to talk about baseball. And I'm here to listen because I thought that Lance Lynn was completely entertaining. On the North side, is the Cubs are winning seven nothing. Taylor McGregor was awesome yesterday. In her role as sideline reporter, she had all the information about Wilson Contreras talking with, with Christopher Morell and Morell telling Contreras that he was gonna do like Contreras did and hit a home run in his first bat at Wrigley. And then she was sitting next to Brandon Hughes' mom and she interviewed, and it was great. Like Brandon Hughes' mom was super adorable. Talking about her son and and how he got here. And on broadcast, in a a blowout game like that, there's more room to lay out. But there also has to be a lack of ego by your booth to say, we're going to give Taylor like three minutes inside of this game to talk with this guy's mom. I thought it was a really good moment. And I thought that it showed a lot of innovation. Remember I was saying how you don't have to recreate the wheel. You can improve upon it. I thought that the Cubs broadcast on Marquee did that last night, and I thought the White Sox broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago was right there for you, giving you a little bit of fun innovation that ended up sounding and looking really good. I'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?